online. Uh, and we actually are simulcasting to our Cincy campus, so hello to those guys. Uh, hi to our friends at Bainbridge. Um, they're probably wondering where I've been. I'll be back next week, I promise. And uh, we're actually simulcasting to another church this morning as well. Uh, we're simulcasting to Seneca Community Church up in Romulus. So if you would, just give them a warm Berean welcome. Glad to have you guys with us. Yeah, there you go. And you probably see uh, some people running around with this weird-looking T-shirt. Um, this, for those of you that are watching, uh, this is our Front Street Takeover Day, we call it. Uh, we're, we've got a bunch of volunteers that are ready to go to our Front Street campus next month, and they're getting a chance to do their volunteer roles here at the Green Campus today, um, shadowing some places, some places taking over uh, the responsibilities. And so, uh, man, this is it's exciting to see. So that explains the why I'm wearing a weird T-shirt this morning. So we're glad to have you with us. And um, as as we get as we jump into this series, there's a couple of things that I just want to kind of lay the foundation for the entire series. So one is when you talk about this hall of faith, I think for us the the common idea that we could see today is a hall of fame um if you've ever been to like the baseball hall of fame up in cooperstown like it's in our back door you ought to go up there if you've never been uh if you've ever been to the hall of fame uh, for football in canton ohio it's a, it's a cool experience and one of the things that you see in a hall of fame is the highlights of a player's career, right? It's, these are the best of the best. These are the, the superstars, the, the people that maybe changed the game or had a huge impact on the history of the game. Well, the same thing is true as we, we talk about the Hall of Faith. We're gonna, we're gonna see some characters and, and, and hear about the very best things that they accomplished for God because that they had great faith. But now, here's the thing, like, when we when we go to a hall of fame and we see highlights we don't necessarily see all of the story right it's almost like it's almost like obituaries like very seldom do you see an obituary that says something like he was the world's okayest dad right you know or or she was mom and she tried right um, usually the, uh, an obituary covers like the very best of what a person did in their life. Well, there is this one exception. I want to I read to you this uh, brutally honest obituary. And now, part of this is sad, but it's also funny at the same time. Leslie Ray Popeye Charping was born in Galveston on November 20th, 1942 and passed away January 30th, 2017 which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. At a young age, Leslie quickly became a model example of bad parenting, combined with mental illness and a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive. Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy, but not so much in a brave and patriotic way, but more as a part of a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family pets, and also fishing, which he was less skilled with than the previously mentioned. 
Leslie served no other obvious purpose. He did not contribute to society or serve his community, and he possessed no redeeming qualities besides being quick-witted and having sarcasm, which was amusing during his few sober days. With Leslie's passing, he will be missed only for what he never did, being a loving husband, father, and good friend. Whew. I hope that's not your obituary. In fact, I hope you never write an obituary about somebody else that way. But I share that with you because as we look at these heroes, in, in the book of Hebrews, in the Hall of Faith, we're going to see the highlights of their life. But I also want to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about the lowlights of their life. In fact, I can, I can relate on a, on a very minimal scale. I can relate to, to this obituary. Um, those of you that have been around have, have heard my story before. Um, you know, I was conceived out of wedlock. My, my father married my mother to do the right thing and give me his name. Uh, but he went, we were in Syracuse. He went to Los Angeles, California, as far away as he could. Um, I saw my father maybe a couple times the entire time I was growing up. And my father came back to Syracuse, back to his home area, uh, only when he was dying of cancer. Now, a couple weeks ago, I, I was traveling with a friend. Uh, we're going up to Malone for a graveside um, ceremony, a graveside um, memorial. And uh, I decided to like, try to find my father's gravesite. I had never been there before. I, I paid for my father's funeral in Fayetteville, New York, but his, his family, his, his parents, his father, and his, his sisters took care of the, the graveside. And so we got up there. We knew, what, we knew what cemetery we were going to, but we had no idea, and we searched all over. And we finally found this headstone, finally found my, my father's gravesite, first time I had been there ever. And here's the thing that, like, like I was just saying, the highlights and the lowlights, I, you probably can't read this real well. It says, in memory of our son and brother. You notice something that's missing? It says nothing about being father and husband. You see, sometimes, you know, we, we, we highlight the good things and we forget about or we don't talk about the lowlights. So this morning, and, and actually as we go through this entire series... I want us to look at these heroes and look at, yes, the great things they got accomplished in them and through them, but also talk about their failures along the way. So if you would, join me in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. And we're going to jump right ahead uh, into the story of Abraham. So if you're using a, a chair Bible, it's page 971. And those chair Bibles are there for you to take home with you if you need a new translation or if you need a Bible, uh, they are a gift to you. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And before we jump into verses 8 through 12, since this is the very beginning of this series for us here at, at Brian, it, it starts at really at verse 1. We got we to gotta have a definition of what this is when we're talking about faith and the, the heroes of faith. What is it? So verse 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, 
The people in days of old earned a good reputation. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And it's the evidence of things that we cannot see. Having faith in, in, in what God is going to do, having faith in what God is doing in areas that we can't see, that, that's faith, having trust in what God is doing. And so the first person that we want to look at here is Abraham. So if we go down to verse 8, his story starts there. It says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he had reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, his wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, there is no way to count them. That's the highlight of Abraham's life. And it really, it honestly, all the great things that happen through Abraham's faith, it really comes down to the very first four words there. It says this, that by faith, Abraham obeyed. He obeyed. He did as God commanded him. He, he, he went to a foreign land. God told him to, to pack up his family, pack up his belongings, and, and to migrate to a new land. And he, and he did. He had no idea where he was going. But yet he obeyed. Now, I know a lot of times that when we're going through and we, we kind of wait till the end to, to reveal the, you know, what's the big idea. But today I want to kind of revisit this a few times throughout the, the message this morning and, 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 and look at it a couple different ways. So I want to just plant this seed very, right at the beginning. Great faith produces obedience. It, it is, is the fact that Abraham trusted God, believed God, he had faith in what he couldn't see, that he obeyed God. So that's the highlight. But there's more to the story. And so as you look at Genesis chapter 12 through 21, so as we read those 10 chapters together this morning, would you stand? No, I'm just kidding. I, but I would encourage you to go through those chapters on your own sometime, especially if you're not really familiar with all of the story of Abraham. Because here, here's the thing. Yes, Abraham had faith. He followed God. He did. He went. He traveled. He journeyed. But he also did a couple of other things. You know, ESPN has this segment when they're covering football highlights. They also have this segment of lowlights. It's, it, and it's called, come on, man. Like, a player makes a really dumb play, and they, and they all together, come on, man. Like, what's going on? Listen, Abraham had some, come on, man, kind of moments. Like, as he was traveling, 
there was not once, but twice, there was occasions where he lied about who Sarah was. He didn't want people to know that Sarah was his wife. He thought that if he told people that she was his sister, that they would be safer. He didn't trust God. He, didn't, he had a lack of faith. Right? So as you, as you look at that, you go, come on, man, like that. What, where's your faith? But then, but then probably the greatest failure that Abraham had was the fact that God came to him and told him, here's, here's my promise to you. I'm promising you land, that's where you're headed. I'm promising you seed. In other words, you're going to have children that have, it's going to create a nation, and you're going to have a bless. you're going to be a blessing to all nations. Land, seed, and blessing. But Abraham was getting old, and Sarah was getting old. They were, they were beyond childbirth years. And they had a lack of faith. And Sarah, Sarah came to Abraham and said, you know what, what how, how, about if, how about if you have a child with my handmaiden, with, our, with my servant? She's much, she's much younger. Why don't, you, why don't you have a child with her? And Abraham did. Like, come on, man. Like, what are you thinking? And so he had this child, Ishmael. But God, God said, no, listen, I, I haven't quit on this. Like, I made a promise. I'm going to keep this promise. You, you, have, you have a child coming through Sarah. In fact, in, in Hebrews 11, it talks, you know, it, it says Sarah believed. But there was a point where Sarah laughed to herself. And God called her out. God literally said, like, I saw that. And Sarah's like, no, I didn't laugh. And like, listen, God, God's like, we're right here. Like, I know what you're thinking. And so when you look at the, the highlights, yes, great, fruit, great faith produces obedience, but just the opposite can be true. A lack of faith produces disobedience. When, when they were not willing to trust God, they took matters into their own hands, and it produced disobedience. Have you ever experienced that for yourself? Have there ever been times where you just said, God, I thought you promised this, but you haven't delivered, so maybe I need to take it in my own hands. So there's highlights, there's lowlights. Let me, let me take you to one more highlight. If you would, go to Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we're going to see one of Abraham's greatest successes, one of his greatest examples of faith. We're going to read an extended passage here together, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. It's interesting that God refers to Isaac as his only son. Isaac was the son of promise. And God says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. God's, so God miraculously provided this son of promise. And now God is telling Abraham, take him up to the mountain and use him as the burnt offering. 
The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, so three days they're traveling, and Abraham knows what God has asked him to do. Abraham look, looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then listen to the phrase he says, and then we will come right back. Now, God, God had told him to go up and sacrifice Isaac on this altar. But yet Abraham already has faith that God will provide a substitute. So it says in verse 6 that Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder, and while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, God showed up. God showed up. He didn't show up too early. He didn't show up too late. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram. Now, he was looking for a lamb, but God actually provided him an upgrade. He saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son, in, in substitution of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, or another name for God that you may have heard that says the same thing, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities through of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have, what's that word? Obeyed me. Whew. What a crazy story. What, what, a, what an amazing testimony of faith. But listen, Abraham didn't just all of a sudden land there. You see, his faith was tested over and over again. 
And you see in the very first verse that it says that God's purpose of all of this was to test Abraham's faith. And so as we look at this, we can see that tested faith produces stronger faith. Have you experienced that in your life? Can you look back and see times where where your faith was tested, you believed in God, God delivered, came through, and because of that, you, you have stronger faith now? You're able, you're able to trust God even more? Not, and not only on an individual level, like we can talk about this on a, on a corporate level. As a, as a body of believers, we can talk about this. You know, those of you that are around back in 2013, right, we were meeting up in the, the worship center up in the old, old building. We had, we had three services going on. And now, yeah, the air conditioning probably worked a little bit better up there, but, but that's beside the point. Like, there was a lot of faith to, to step out and to build this worship center and to build all this addition. That, that took a lot of faith. And so as you look at that, as a body of believers, can, can you say God is faithful? Say that with me. God is faithful. And then, and then along came Cincinnatus, right? And, and, and Cincinnatus, like, can you look back and, and, and can you see how God has provided? You're, as a community of believers, your faith has been tested out at Cincinnatus. But, but this morning, just say it with me, God is faithful. And Bainbridge, man, we've experienced God's blessing in so many different ways but but there were challenges along the way our faith as a community was tested but our faith becomes stronger and so at Bainbridge I I want you to say it God is faithful and even those who are watching online just type it in God is faithful and you know what even even my friends up at Seneca community you know I've been preaching there off and on for I don't know 11 12 years I've seen the journey that you have been on. And so I know, I know that your faith has been tested. But because your faith was tested, you realize that your faith is getting stronger. So even up at Seneca Community, this morning, say, God is faithful. You see, it's through trials. It's through the challenging times of life. It's through our our failures that God can build stronger faith in us. And you look at a person like Abraham, and and yes, there were times that he had great faith, but there was other times that he didn't. He was pretty inconsistent. I don't know, does that describe you? I feel pretty convicted. I feel like there's times that that I have really great faith, but there's other times that, man, just some simple things. And I I don't have the faith that I should. So as you talk about this test of faith, I really, I think there's one passage that we've got to look at, and that's the book of James. This is the last place I'll ask you to turn to, page 976, if you're using the chair Bible, James chapter 2. James chapter 1 talks about the whole process of building our faith. And then he goes on to give these examples, and he actually uses Abraham as an example. So to get the context of this, let's start at verse 18. It says, now someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But James says, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. 
You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And then he uses Abraham as the example. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as Scripture says. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Sometimes people get confused with, with James and, and what he's talking about. But he's not saying that we earn salvation by our good works. He's saying our good works demonstrates that we're saved. It, it, we can't earn favor with God. We, we don't get our relationship restored with God because we do good deeds. But because we have a restored relationship with God, because that we have faith in him, we, it, it should produce good works. In fact, it, it really comes down to this statement. Great faith produces obedience. But here's the really cool thing about this. You know what? This statement is true if you read it back opposite as well. It's what's called a biconditional statement. Yes, great faith produces obedience, but guess what? Obedience produces great faith. It really is. It really is the cycle of our Christian growth. We, we have faith. God tests us. We go through challenging times. We obey God. We have, we have faith in him. And, and as we obey him, our faith grows. And we go through another test, and, and, and our faith grows. And it just, that cycle of growth. Great faith produces obedience, but obedience also produces great faith. And listen, here's how, here's how Hebrews summarized it. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And that's actually a direct quote from Genesis chapter 15. But you want to know what's really interesting? We just talked about one of Abraham's greatest faith events. That was in Genesis 22. That was after. That was after God had already said, like, yeah, he's got great faith. You see, it's a process. It's a journey. And Abraham went through that cycle, just like we can go through that cycle. And Abraham had his ups and downs. But Abraham had great faith. And through the testing of his faith, that faith became stronger. In fact, to the point where the end of that verse, it says this. He was even called the friend of God. And again, a direct quote from, from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, Isaiah 41.8. He was a friend of God. Let me ask you, what will your obituary say? It's not going to hit all the lowlights in your life, but are there any highlights? Like, have you, have you been a person of faith? Is your faith growing stronger? I just can't think of a better thing 
than an obituary saying he was a friend of God. You know, sometimes we, we look at the Old Testament and we, we have this view of God as this angry, judgmental God that sends fire from the skies. But yet, here is Abraham in that Old Testament context. He was called a friend of God. How much more now today, because of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, can we be a friend of God? Great faith. Great faith produces obedience. And obedience produces great faith. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? For a moment, I just want to talk to those that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never put your faith, your trust, in what Jesus has done for you. You know, that, that picture of Abraham offering Isaac was an Old Testament image to help us understand exactly what God did. Because God took his only son, Jesus Christ. He allowed him to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life. And he was the sacrifice. He was the substitute for us. It was, it was our sin that he was paying the penalty for. It should have been us on that cross. And see, God provided that free gift to you so that you could have a restored relationship with him. And so if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, to put, your, to put faith in him, that's your first step. That's the first part of this faith journey. And you can do that right where you're sitting. You can do that wherever you're watching. Just simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I want to stand in, in good standing with you. I want to have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. For those of us who have made that decision, the challenge from this passage, these passages are very, very clear. We have a step of faith to believe, but then we have a step of faith over and over and over again. And as we have belief, as we have faith, that faith produces obedience. And as we obey, it grows our faith. And, and, and what was a monumental idea of, of stepping out in faith in the past, now because of your experiences of God and seeing God being faithful, you have the faith to believe in even bigger things. And that's exactly what we're celebrating today. That's exactly why we're, we, we made today this Front Street Campus Takeover. This is a step of faith for us as a body of believers to step out and, and to, to start another campus and a new community, to, to be able to produce more and better Jesus followers in a new place. I'm not sure we would have been able to take that step of faith if it hadn't been for the fact that we've seen over and over again, as a body of believers, we've taken the step of faith and God has provided, God has been faithful. So take that on an individual level and realize that you can strengthen your faith by obeying God. And as you obey him, your faith gets stronger and stronger. Do you trust him? Do you believe him? 
take that step of faith. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God. God, we thank you for the stories of, of these great people that lived in the past that, that had a relationship with you and, and they were willing to take giant leaps of faith. But yet we see that in their life, they didn't always have faith. They, they had lack of faith at times, but their faith grew as, as, as they were tested, as they had new experiences and, and they saw your faithfulness. God, help us to do the same. Help us to continue to obey you and, and through our obedience, give us more faith, give us greater faith that we can trust you even more. And God, we want to praise you and worship you this morning in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.